Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, I'm Scott Soshner. And I'm Evan Novi williams And this is the Back in the ALCS Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. All right, our guest, because we have back in the ALCS, we're not going Houston Astros, we're going Boston Red Sox, Sam Kennedy, the president and CEO of the team. Sam, what'd you think of Eben's intro there? After I say, hello, I'm Scott Soshnick, like, Eben tries to get creative, but the, like, return to the, I thought it was kind of weak. How about you? <laughs> I just like hearing the words Red Sox and A-L, or letters A-L-C-S next to each other, so I'm just happy to be here, as they say. I'd forgotten. But before we get to the to the big business of sports, let's talk about the little. You're on a little bit of a time crunch because you've got a more important game than game one of the ALCS to get to. But we have a daughter field hockey game, right? I mean, this is important. This is what I'm talking about. This is important stuff. You cannot miss your daughter's field hockey game. And we told you we would get you out on time. Uh, you guys are great. Thanks for understanding. Uh, my, uh, I have an 18-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter, and to be able to get to their high school games whenever possible is uh, the best, especially during postseason play. So I feel lucky this afternoon. We've got an off day. And, and by the way, what you, the, the field is five minutes away from Fenway. How lucky is that? Yeah, my, my daughter, uh, we're Bostonians, as you know, and her high school is literally five minutes from Fenway Park. So uh, it's great for mom and dad for uh, to be able to make it down there for uh, for field hockey, lacrosse, for whatever they've got going on. All right, I'm going to go macro and I'm going to ask you to go micro. A while back when we spoke, you described the Boston Red Sox as a platform company. I mean, that's a that's sign of jargony, you know, sports business jargon for folks who don't understand what it means for the Boston Red Sox or New York Yankees or pick your pro sports franchise to be a platform company. Can you boil it down in simplistics? What does that mean? Yeah, well, really, um, let me correct you. And if I said the Boston Red Sox are a platform, Fenway company, Sports Group. I, yeah, thank you. Fenway thank Sports you. Group <laughs> is a. Now your listeners might say, "Oh, well." well hold on, hey, hey, Sam. My wife is about two inches to my right. If I wanted to be corrected, I would look in that direction. <laughs> well, I, you know, you deserve to be corrected. I'm sure often uh, yep. for other things, but for this. Yeah, Fenway Sports Group is the the holding company, so the parent company. Uh, for those of us who did not go to Harvard Business School, let me just try to make it simple. Uh, Fenway Sports Group is the parent, the Red Sox, Liverpool Football Club, Fenway Sports Management, Fenway Sports Group, Real Estate, Roush Fenway, are 
holding uh, company owns those different assets. And we look at FSG very much as a platform for sports, entertainment, real estate, content, media, and the like. We are very interested in growing um, our our company and uh, acquiring new businesses uh, in those lines of business. So teams, venues, content, media, real estate is where we're looking. And uh, we've got a lot going on right now in, in terms of growing our business. Very exciting time. We took on Redbird Capital. Jerry Cardinal and the team have been great. Uh, that deal closed in March. And it's really supersized our, our growth ambitions. Talk us through what the advantages of being part of that group as opposed to a baseball team that is not part of a bigger organization, but just owned by, by a single or a group of wealthy people. What is the advantage of the FSG model for, for the Red Sox specifically? Well, at the end of the day, for our fans, it, it comes down to resources. Uh, we are able to invest heavily into our sporting operations. So whether it's the Red Sox or Liverpool, uh, our football team, uh, or our NASCAR operation, uh, Fenway Sports Group is a big business. We generate revenues uh, across these different entities, and we reinvest those revenues into three areas. One, the product on the field. Two, the venues in which they play. And three, the communities in which we operate. And that's been the model. I remember John Henry and Tom Werner coming to me and some of my colleagues in 2003, believe it or not, saying, you guys have done a great job here at Fenway in terms of uh, selling out the park and advertising and sponsorship, but you're going to work yourself out of a job. You know, you're doing too good of a job. There, there, there's not much more to sell here at Fenway, so let's look to expand and grow. Uh, and we thought uh, John and Tom were joking. They weren't. Uh, they very much wanted us to start to think as entrepreneurs, just as team, not just as team operators. And that sort of set the culture for what we've tried to build here over these last 20 years. I get the sense that's what's going on across all of sports and entertainment, because if a team came for sale now, I have had prospective owners, investors tell me that if it's just a team, I ain't interested. I need to have a media opportunity. I need to have some real estate. There's got to be a maybe an incubator or something there. I don't want just a team because that that's so 1970s and 80s. Uh, I mean, you're seeing that across sports and, and entertainment, that there's got to be more than just that team. It's so mom and pop, but we're far beyond that now. I think we are. And you look at the sophistication um, that has been brought to the sports uh, industry over the last decade, two decades. It's remarkable. We were just down in Tampa, uh, really St. Petersburg, playing the Rays. I had a chance to go connect with our old investor, Jeff Vinnick's team up in Tampa, watching what he has done. It's remarkable from the renovations to the arena, to the 56 acres of land they've put together, $3.5 billion worth of construction. But it's all anchored and rooted in the Tampa Bay Lightning and the commitment to the hockey team. And I, I think that serves as a reminder this is happening everywhere, just as you say, Scott, all across sports, whether it's hockey, basketball, football, international soccer, uh, ownership groups are looking at the ancillary opportunities uh, to go along with the primary business of the sports team. Oftentimes, Sam, that comes manifest itself in, in the form of a new stadium. I, I imagine that is not in the uh, in the cards anytime soon uh, for the Red Sox. Uh, how do you kind of think about, I was actually, I was at Fenway for the first time earlier this year. Uh, I found it extremely charming. There was a part of me, to be totally honest, that felt like if it lost 10% of the charm, 
that it that it, that it might verge on just being a not a great place to watch a baseball game. I'm curious how you think about kind of the economics of, of Fenway Park. Um, it's not very big. I imagine you're kind of leaving money on the table by staying there, but you benefit a lot from kind of the mystique and the aura and the appreciation around it. Well, hold on. Before you answer, Sam, I just want to laugh that you were so humble, Greg. Earlier, your bosses came to you and said, what a great job you're doing selling out the ballpark. Yeah, capacity 89. I mean, come on. <laughs> the greater New England area, that's not all that hard. Come on, my man. Well, we, it's it's uh, it's interesting. We looked at our first ten years as uh, FSG 1.0, the last ten FSG 2.0, and the next version 3.0 is looking for new and different opportunities in sports and entertainment. But it's also reimagining Fenway Park, and I mean Fenway Park and the surrounding neighborhoods. So, yes, we have maximized seating capacity and, and l- premium seating within Fenway, um, we certainly have a long, long way to go. We're, we're uh, around Fenway. We're building a 5,500-person music venue in partnership with Michael Rapino and our partners at Live Nation. We're looking at developing 2.1 million square feet of real estate, pales in comparison to what uh, Mr. Vinnick has going on down in Tampa. Um, so it really is important that we make Fenway, this 365-day-a-year neighborhood and venue for live entertainment, not just for baseball, but for indoor music venues and the like. And I'll tell you, I'm glad you had a chance to come to Fenway for the first time. The electricity and energy that was here Tuesday night against the Yankees and then the last couple of nights against the Rays, honestly, it was better more intense, more electric than even back in 2003 and four, because it was intense. Before we had nervous energy from Red Sox fans. And now I think thanks to the Kraft family, thanks to Stanley Cup championships, Celtics winning, Boston fans are probably really, really annoying to fans across the country because there's more confidence, there's more intensity uh, and it's great. It used to be Fenway would get quiet in 04 when we were trying to come back against the Yankees. Now, from first pitch, there's an electricity and a, and a confidence that really has made Fenway uh, the place to be. We're also seeing a much younger demographic in the park, which is hmm. really exciting. Why, why is that? Why, how did you accomplish that? How did you get young kids? I mean, is it just fathers bringing sons or mothers bringing sons? How do, how do, you, how do you drive the demo down? It, it's very much been a, an affirmative pricing strategy. We bought, we brought pricing down on uh, inventory. We have $9 student tickets available for all games. We're affirmatively pushing out text offerings to the colleges and universities, even for playoff games. We had $39 tickets for students uh, for the playoffs, which really got the energy going. And then, look, we can't take uh, credit for all of it. There have been no upside from this pandemic for our industry, as you know, but one tiny little silver lining, the demo across live events is just younger and younger. So we've seen an explosion, frankly, of high school and college age young people coming into our ballpark, which has been really, really great to see. What what percentage of your building is season tickets and what is uh, what is kind of game day sales? Yeah, we're, we used to be around 60% uh, season tickets, and uh, we're now uh, down to about 50%. So plenty of opportunity for individual game buyers, groups. Um, it's mini packs, smaller uh, game packages. So uh, it's a challenge to sell tickets to live events everywhere, and, and Fenway is no exception. 
How, how do you decide that that percentage? I, mean, I imagine you could you could do a lot more season tickets if if you guys wanted to. How, how do you decide what the, what the proper balance is? Um, on yeah, season it's a great it's individual? a great it's a great question. We struggle with it. We're, it's sort of like our baseball operation where we're trying to be um, you know near term and long term greedy. It's a really hard thing to do. We're, <laughs> we're we're trying to balance the desire to make sure that we're thinking about that next generation of fans. So it really comes down to a pricing decision. Going to see a baseball game, a hockey game, a football game, it's an expensive proposition. So we have to have $9 tickets, $20 tickets, $30 tickets um, for every game, even the premium games. And so we've affirmatively used dynamic pricing uh, to make sure that we get that young demographic in the park and hold back tickets. Don't We don't sell them as season tickets, even some of the better locations, so that we can then uh, offer them up on an individual game bi- uh, basis to bring in new fans. I'm so angry we said we'd get you out on time because I want to talk about the real estate development. I want to talk about data and what do you know about your young fans. You mentioned Fenway and some investors. You mentioned Redbird and our friend Jerry, but uh, LeBron James is also an investor. What does LeBron and an ownership group allow you to do? I imagine John Henry, the Red Sox, Liverpool, that can open any door. What does LeBron add? What's the value add of LeBron James? Well, if you, you have to take a step back to when we first started working with LeBron James and Maverick Carter, and we owe a deep debt of gratitude to another one of our investor partners, Paul Wachter, um, who first introduced us to LeBron and Maverick. Paul and Tom Werner have a 30-year friendship. Um, and we met the guys under the context uh, or in the context of LeBron and Maverick looking for a new uh, agency to work with on endorsement work. That's how the whole relationship relationship started. Um, That was back, believe it or not, in 2010. Uh, And from there, we got to working with them on LeBron's off-court endeavors. And it led to the two guys, uh, Maverick and LeBron, making an investment into our parent, that Holtco, Fenway Sports Group, the platform company, Scott, that we talk about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a So therefore, the alignment of interests are, are there. So LeBron, Maverick, Paul, they are owners, not just of the Red Sox, but of Liverpool and Nesson and Roush Fenway and our real estate company. And what they do for us is, um, in addition to bringing their capital to the table, which we appreciate. Uh, <laughs> you got to have the money. You always have to bring the money. Then what else is there? Their relationships are incredible in corporate America, in the sporting world on a global basis. I mean, yes, we can get through most doors, uh, but to open up doors on a global basis, given the popularity of LeBron and Maverick and what they're building with Spring Hill, um, they're in the entertainment space, they're in the content business. So we are able to connect with brands uh, across the world. uh, And there's no better door opener than Maverick Carter or LeBron James. So we're really proud to be their partner. You mentioned Spring Hill. They're taking on investors. Fenway Sports Group is looking for new avenues to pursue. I can lead the president CEO to water. And now I ask, will he drink? <laughs> well, I would say um, we are absolutely interested in doing as much as possible with LeBron James and Maverick Carter. <laughs> but I think I'll leave it right there. What does 4.0 look like? 
where, where I mean, it, this is global. There, there's no I hope more it looks like a beach. Retirement, maybe? <laughs> you, the beauty is you can do whatever you need to do from the beach. You can record a podcast. You can broadcast your games, whatever you need to do from the beach. But you're marrying all these things around the central hub of sport, of these great dominant global brands. So it presents so many opportunities. I'm just curious. I mean, I know you have the real estate development. Uh, I know you're looking at more entertainment stuff. Uh, is there a, a 4.0? Where, where's the horizon? Where are we looking? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, right now, as part of 3.0, we are in looking at teams, venues, real estate, uh, content businesses. I think, to be honest with you, 4.0 is more of the same. Um, we probably will venture a little bit more into technology uh, and areas that are really helping and aiding our industry move forward. Um, but the truth is, I don't know. If you had ever uh, asked me in 2001, the winter of 01, 02, when this whole deal got to, got put together, you know, if you had said you at some point you guys are going to be uh, working in English soccer, you know, I would have said, you know, what? Or are you going to partner with LeBron James and Maverick Carter? You know, it just it, it's been a wild ride, and and it's just so grateful to be a, a small part of the team here. Uh, it's fun to work with entrepreneurs who sort of really truly have just. I mean, again, I, I know they're my bosses, but I've been here for twenty years. They've. They, they, they know me well enough and they know uh, our team well enough to know this. We really appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit and the energy and, and, and the willingness to sort of try anything. We've made lots of mistakes uh, in our time here, um, but there really is a great entrepreneurial culture, which really um, is, is a great place. To well, be. you know what yeah. Einstein said about mistakes, you know, you, you don't get it wrong. You either find out it doesn't work or you're right. You learn something or you're right. Very well said. Uh, did Einstein say, say that or did, did Scott say that? Uh, uh, really, what's the difference? What's the difference, really? How, Come how, on. how many Einstein quotes out there are not actually yeah. Einstein? <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you've mentioned international a few times. I assume that you've kind of seen in brushstrokes what the NFL is, is considering right now, um, kind of divvying up different international markets, uh, giving exclusive access to teams to kind of let the teams and their own expertise kind of be the, the tip of the spear for expanding the NFL's business overseas. I'm curious how you think about baseball's overseas pushes and whether that is a model that, that you think could work for baseball also, kind of relying on teams to do a lot of that marketing and that, and that expansion. Yeah, we've talked a lot about it at the international committee level. Look, at the end of the day, international expansion and growth is a huge priority for Rob Manfred. We've made great strides um, in terms of si player signings uh, from Asia throughout Central and Latin America. Um, and we need to continue to grow the game in all these markets. We've had a very aggressive play plan. We were lucky to play in London against the Yankees just pre-pandemic. I go all the way back to the early days of the San Diego Padres. We played games in Monterey, Mexico, and did broadcast deals uh, down in Mexico for the Padres. So uh, baseball has a huge opportunity. It's, it's, it's the greatest game ever invented. And I think that's where, as the world gets smaller and smaller, and we all go direct to our consumers right on our phones, international expansion uh, is where we need to be. And, and the teams uh, that are represented on the international committee are going to push our industry to keep investing internationally. All right, 30 seconds and I'll let you get out of here. I know you got to get to the game. Someone described to me the RSN business, regional sports networks, as a melting glacier. You have an RSN. 
in and Nesson New England Sports Network. That is, I'm assuming here, cash flow positive. It's it's one of the lucky ones. Give me your 20 second recap of the state of the RSN business. You know, I, I think the uh, it, it wasn't uh, Einstein, but the the quote of the reports of uh, our demise are greatly exaggerated uh, applies. That said. It is fair that the business is very challenged in terms of where the world is going. So we had better have a plan to get direct to consumer uh, with our live games, the Red Sox, the Boston Bruins, and going direct to consumer is critical. Our Nesson team is working on that. Major League Baseball has done an amazing job with MLB TV. I mean, I'm um, I live on it. I'm, of course, a little biased, but they do a great job. They were baseball. I should say we, as an industry, we were way ahead of the curve, um, creating BAM, going direct. Noah Garden was there at the beginning. He's done an amazing job, and he's leading our efforts with the media committee to sort of examine what the future looks like. We know it's going to be uh, direct to consumer that said, Scott, the business, the cable business, and, and, and people still buying the bundle, the linear business is still there. It's still a good business. So it's a balance. You want to try and uh, preserve that business, but recognize that we need to be going direct to consumer in a frictionless way, making it easy for our customers c- to consume baseball games, how they want it, when they want it, where they want it. Uh, and we're working to, to get there as an industry. Old prescription eyeballs like me and young guys like Eben who get it on all his streaming services. Sam Kennedy, president and CEO of the Boston Red Sox, headed to the ALCS. I know he likes to hear that because he told me so. Sam, thanks so much for taking some time. We will let Sam run those five minutes to his daughter's field hockey game. Hopefully next week, uh, we'll have an update on how they did. On the other side, Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. You can find the show at Sportacast. Our social media editor, Cora Veltman, loves when I put that part in. Sportacast is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Podcast Network. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.